Good morning. Wherever you are listening from, take a moment to breathe in God's Spirit. Calm and center yourself. Notice the things that are around you. Turn off the radio. Silence your cell phone. And spend time with God in a new and different way today. Let us begin with a prayer from John, or from Charles Wesley. Come, divine interpreter, bring me I thy book to read. Ears the mystic words to hear, words which did from thee proceed, words that endless bliss impart. Kept in an obedient heart, all who read or hear are blessed. If thy plain command we do, of thy kingdom here possess, thee we shall in glory view. When thou comest on earth to abide, reign triumphantly at thy side. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The scripture reading for this morning comes from John twenty nineteen through 31. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds of his hands and his sides. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hands inside the wound of his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands, and put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
It is the second Sunday of Easter where our scripture passages have confronted us with images of the disciples hiding in a locked upper room. Just before our text for today, the disciples had just heard of Jesus' appearance to Mary Magdalene as she came running to the disciples to inform them that she had seen Jesus. And then she proceeded to tell them all that Jesus had said to her. And in last week's text, we discussed how that first Easter morning found in the biblical narrative was not a joyful occasion. It's not what we envisioned on Sunday morning, whereby we all joyfully proclaim that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. It was not a morning, I said, of transformation, but a space and a place of mourning, loss, grief, and confusion. And this week... And this week, it becomes clear that once again, the disciples are still untransformed. It is here, in this upper room, where the disciples have just heard the good news that Christ is risen. They have just heard from Mary of Magdalene that Christ had spoken to her. And instead of finding freedom, instead of feeling overjoyed, instead of a sigh of relief, they have hovered together in fear behind locked doors. At first, I was amazed by the lack of celebratory language found in our scripture passage. I had hoped that after hearing the good news of the risen Christ, that the disciples would leap for joy. Proclaim to all people everywhere that Christ is alive. I had hoped that they would take the world by storm. Telling anyone and everyone who would listen that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Surely when we look at our text for today. We are once again taken back by their fear, and perhaps we even are wondering, what is it that they are afraid of? The disciples, the scriptures point out, the disciples are afraid of the Jewish leaders. The disciples fear those people, those leaders, who schemed and planned the execution of Jesus Christ. Surely, they fear that they are next on the list. Maybe the disciples are even scared of Jesus. After all, Peter remembers how he denied Jesus three times, and the rest remember how they deserted him, and frankly, I'm sure the last person they wanted to see was Christ their Lord. And if we are honest, we too know and are even familiar with this type of fear that has grabbed the hold of the disciples and makes them hovered in a locked, closed room. We have witnessed its powerful hold on our lives, and we can certainly emphasize with how the disciples are feeling. The doctor informs you that you have cancer, and everything he or she says after that horrible, disgusting word no one ever wants to hear goes in one ear and out the other as fear grabs hold of you. 
And on the way home, you lock yourself into a world of thought as you come to terms with what it means to be a person living with cancer. As you try to discern how it is that you want to be defined. The boss comes in to inform you that your position is being terminated and everything he or she says after that begins to fade as you try to maintain your composure. However, upon arriving at the car, you break down as the fear of making your next car payment grabs a hold of you. The fear begins to grab a hold of us as we strive with all that we are to find a way to hold on. In the midst of COVID-19, you're told that your church is going to be closed. We are reluctant to believe it. At first, the fear began to grab a hold of us as we strive with all that we are to find a way to hold on to the normalities of our life. And when we realize that it's not possible, perhaps we begin to lock ourselves in a door. A room that is closed. Surely, surely we know this type of fear. The kind that makes us want to crawl into a hole and pretend that nothing ever happened. We all have been there. And perhaps even now, we are in this place of fear where we too have locked ourselves into the upper room. We do this in church too. There was a change in how the churches ran, or how the churches run, or a new service is added, or we don't have as many youth as we used to, and as we compare the past to the future, we begin to be paralyzed with fear. Why? Because things are different than what they used to be. We begin to be paralyzed with fear, especially when the future looks different than the past. We begin to become like the Israelites longing in the desert to return to their normal life in Egypt as they remember the good old days. Perhaps this longing has increased within us in the midst of COVID-19 as we find ourselves dwelling on what used to be, as we hope that the church might be filled with people upon our return to church. We too long for some form of normality. And let me be clear, to long for better days is not always a bad thing. To dream is not always a bad thing. However, to view the past with rose-colored glasses or to be so focused on the future hinders us from seeing the God who is at work right now before our very eyes. We have all at some point focused so much on the past or on the future that it harms the witness of the gospel, especially as we fail as God's people, as the body of Christ, to see God at work. To focus solely 
on the past or the future means we do not see the opportunity to be in ministry here and in the present. The reality is we too have been so afraid of God's transforming power that the last person we want to see is Jesus. Yet even in our grief, even in our pain, and even in our emotions of despair, yes, even in our longing, God shows up. God shows up. God, through Christ, enters into our locked rooms of thought, our locked rooms of fear, our locked rooms of longing, our locked rooms of distress or despair. And proclaim to us, peace, peace be with you. And then he began to show us his wounds. In the resurrected Christ, the disciples are shown the embodied presence of his humanity with his impaired hands and his impaired feet and a pierced side before he breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus do this? Perhaps because the best way to meet someone in their fear, the best way to meet someone who has locked themselves into a room of pain, grief, shame, and longing is to be fully present with them. Sometimes the only way we can be fully present with another is to share our experience in such a way that it gives others the ability to both name and express their own grief, pain, Hurt, fear, shame, and longing. Jesus declares peace, shares his wounds with them, and tells them to forgive. Jesus declares peace, shares his wounds with the disciples, and tells them to Forgive. This message of forgiveness is one that the disciples needed to hear, and frankly, so do we. In the midst of all the changes going on in the past month, in the midst of policy changes from the United Methodist Church to the President of the United States to the Governor, we feel like our lives have been disrupted. We feel like things are in chaos, and in the midst of it, we too need to hear and receive this message of forgiveness. We need to realize that all involved are trying to the best of their ability to keep us safe. This message of forgiveness is essential. Our stories of redemption give power to others who are seeking redemption. However, they give power to the vulnerable 
if we are willing to be open about our wounds and vulnerabilities instead of hiding them, so that together we might learn to forgive one another. That through our wounds and through our proclamations of forgiveness, we might continue to point others to God. To own up to our mistakes and to proclaim forgiveness. To look at people with God's eyes points others to God. Interestingly, Jesus shows up not once, but twice to the disciples to share his message of peace with them. I have watched this happen. God still shows up today. I have watched God enter into places of pain. I have been present with a man who lived with cancer. I saw the fear, the anger, and the pain as he relived the words of the doctor over and over and over again. Yet I also saw God show up as he lament. And as his lament gave way to opening the doors of forgiveness, as he called people whom he'd hurt in his lifetime to apologize, which in turn opened doors to meaningful relationships with others. Perhaps, perhaps like this man, it's our turn. It's our turn to allow God to enter into our hurt, our pain, our grief, our shame, our longing. Because we too need to hear the words of peace echoed from the lips of Christ. We too need to share in seeing of the wounds of Christ so that we know it's okay to feel the way that we do. We need to see Christ so that through our laments we might come to offer one another forgiveness, hope, and true peace that only comes from God. Know this. Even if we find ourselves to be locked in a room, God shows up. God shows up despite our humanity, despite our longing for comfort, despite our concern with security, despite our desire to control. God will not be stopped by our locked doors. Christ will continue to move among us, speak words of peace, sharing in our anxiety, and giving us courage to forgive ourselves and one another as we share our pain, our hopes, our grief, and our joy with one another. And through such sharing, Christ continued to show up and say, Peace be with you. In the midst of this time of social distancing, might we hear Christ's words of peace? Might it instill within us a sense of calm? And when we feel anxiety about something going on in life, let us call another brother and another sister and share our anxiety with them. That they might remind us of Christ's peace, Christ's hope, Christ's love. And that together, through such sharing, we may grow in grace upon grace. Let us pray. 
holy and gracious God in the midst of all that's going on. We need your peace. We need your hope. And God, in the midst of our longing, remind us that your will, your work, your passion is still being done. And Lord, in the midst of those injustices that we see happening, might we point those people and ourselves continually to God. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Trust and love the Christ you cannot see. Let that bring you joy. For that faith will bring salvation to your soul. And may the God who loves and resurrects us give you a godly portion of the Holy Spirit and a new birth into living hope. Go in peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.